All right. Well, I am nervous. I'm usually nervous because I have to look at you guys the whole time. But now I'm really nervous because now I have to look at Brother David too. <clears throat> Spit it out. Okay. Great. All right. Turn to Job chapter 5. We'll start there. Job chapter number 5. Job chapter 5. I do not trust technology. And I have an iPad, and I don't usually like to teach from it. But I figured I would try today, and now my notes are jammed. Okay. When, when God saved you and when God saved me, the Bible says the illustration given is He picked me up out of a miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings, all of those things. But when He saved us, He saved us exactly as we were, but He did not intend us to stay that way. When God saved us, He saved us filthy, He saved us rotten to the core, but His intention was not for us to stay like we were when He pulled us out of the pig pen. Okay? He desires for us to grow. He desires for us to press forward, to move on, and, and to, to grow in the Lord and, and to mature spiritually and one of the major keys to spiritual growth and maturity is learning to properly receive correction okay that's something that nobody likes nobody likes to be told they were wrong nobody likes to be told that what they were doing is not correct because what are you saying if somebody tells you that you were doing wrong how dare you tell me that i am doing something wrong I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's what you think on the inside. That's, what, that's your automatic response when somebody tries to correct you. You say, in your heart, how dare you? Right? Let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer out loud. But do you have every area of life totally figured out? Chances are probably not. Some of you think you do. That's Miss Lawrence. That's not a testimony. That's just a question. Okay? That's a rhetorical question, but it's an honest question. We don't have everything figured out, right? So it stands to reason that there are some more things that I need to learn, right? Can you at least nod? You agree? Okay. So that means there are some areas in my life that are not yet where they need to be. And unless God shows me or God uses somebody to show me, they're going to have to point out some areas in my life that is not yet where it needs to be. That's called correction. Okay. When we think of correction, you know, what's, you know, what's funny when it comes to anything out there in the world, that's something physical. Correction is always a good thing. But when it comes to the Bible and when it comes to what I'm doing, all of a sudden correction becomes a terrible thing. Why is it that way? It shouldn't be that way. Um, think about it this way. Yesterday, a group of us went to Hangar 15. Anybody ever been there, that trampoline place? You ever, anybody ever been to any kind of trampoline place? When you go, chances are somebody's going to get hurt really bad. And let's say I go to Hangar 15 and I mess up my back really, really bad. All right? I'm going to go to the chiropractor. And you know what I'm going to want him to do? I'm going to want him to correct my back. I'm going to want him to take what's not in line and I want him to line it back up so it doesn't cause me any further trouble. Correction's a good thing, wouldn't you agree? Right. 
Some of you have braces. All right. I'm not making fun of you. I needed braces, but I didn't want braces. So I'm stuck with crooked teeth the rest of my life. But what I'm saying is you don't get braces because, oh, man, so-and-so had braces and they're really cool. Maybe you did. But that would be really weird. No, chances are you get braces because they're not lined up right. And I want them to be corrected. I want my teeth to be in line so they look pretty. And I can smile again. Right? Correction is a good thing. But when it comes to the way that we live, why is it all of a sudden that correction is a terrible thing? And we don't want anybody to tell us that we're not in line. Correction is still a good thing. Okay? Now, look, we're going to look at several verses this morning with the time that we have. But look at Job. Job chapter number 5. And we'll begin in verse number 17. The Bible says, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Anybody want to be happy? You want to be happy? Let God correct you. Let God tell you, hey... Hey, hey, canine tooth, you're out of line. Let me push you back in line where you need to be. All right. So that's the idea we're going to get from the Bible about correction. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for its truth. I pray that you help us to have open hearts and minds to your word. Lord, please help us to be submissive to your word. Please show us some things this morning in Jesus name. Amen. So we see here in verse number 17. Behold, Happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. You know why God has to tell us not to despise correction? Because that's our tendency. When somebody tells us that we're wrong, our tendency is to bow up against it and to say, How dare you tell me I'm doing wrong? Well, who are you to think you've got it all figured out? All right? Come to this verse. Look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's look at really quickly a few benefits. What are some benefits of being corrected? And we're not going to look at an extensive list this morning. But we just saw just a minute ago in Job chapter 5. Correction, if we'll yield to it and if we'll properly receive it, correction will bring us true happiness from God. If we will receive it and not bow up against it and not despise it. All right. Look at Proverbs chapter three, verse number 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. So that's a warning to us because that's our tendency. When God or when somebody who loves God tries to help us and tries to correct us, we get weary with it really fast. We don't have any patience for somebody trying to tell us that we're wrong because we've got it all figured out. But look what he says. Look at this benefit. This is such a wonderful benefit of allowing God to correct us. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. You know what it means when God wants to correct you? It means two things. God loves you. Isn't that a good thing? And secondly, it means that God is interested in your individual life. Now, this is not part of the message, but this might help you if you want to find a spouse one day. Okay. If you want somebody to know that they love you and you want to love somebody else and know that you love them, they're not going to be looking for, guys, how big you can flex your biceps. You think that's what she's looking for, but it's not. 
okay? And it is a benefit. My wife is so glad that I have people. But that's not what she's looking for. You know what she's looking for? You know, ladies, you know what the guy's looking for? Somebody who not just says, oh, I love you. I love you. I love the way your hair flips back like Justin Bieber. No. You know what they're looking for? Somebody who is interested in them. And you know what's amazing? When God corrects you, you don't like it. But you know what it means? It means God loves you. But it means God is interested in your life. So God says, don't despise that. Look at it for what it really is. And say, wow, God, thank you. I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm sorry I was out of line. But I want to get in line. Don't bow up against correction. Appreciate the fact that God loves you and he wants to be interested in your life. Look at Proverbs 15. Proverbs chapter 15, quickly. Proverbs chapter number 15 and look at verse number 9. Proverbs 15 and verse number 9. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. And he that hateth reproof shall die. You know, aren't you glad that the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Aren't you glad that's a guarantee? Yeah. Is anybody in here glad that's a guarantee? Okay, I am. Praise the Lord. Okay, so when God says, If you hate reproof and you despise chastening, you shall die. If you live your life saying, I don't want mom and dad to tell me what to do. I don't want brother David and Miss Lauren telling me what to do. Why do they have a say in what I wear? Why do they want to tell me that I shouldn't listen to that? Brother James, he's always talking about. You know what the Bible says? If you look at the verse, correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. You know which way you're going if you hate correction? The wrong way. And I'm telling you, it's so easy in our heart to want to bow up against anybody telling us that we're doing something wrong because we feel like somehow we've got it all figured out. And we just don't. All right? Look at this, Proverbs 22. Proverbs chapter 22. We have got to hurry. Proverbs 22 and verse number 15. I'll just read it when I get there. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now, I know this is applied to younger kids. None of you, because none of you ever get spankings now. You're too old for that, right? Now you get lectures. And you wish you could go back to spankings. But you know what the Bible says? If you despise that correction, the Bible just called you foolish. You're a fool. If, 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 you, if somebody tries to help you out and tries to get you in line and you bow up against it and you reject it, the Bible says you're a fool. I didn't say it. But somebody who loves you and somebody who cares about you is trying to help you go the right direction and you're kicking against it. It's not a good idea. And it'll get you more spankings. Now look at this. Um, Proverbs 23. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 10. The Bible says, remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields. Okay, so here's the idea. 
Here's an old landmark that's set up and the next generation comes along and says, why do we have to have that landmark there? That is so ugly. Nobody's going to like that. And they want to remove it. But to the generation before and the generation before and the generation before, they know why that's there and they thought it was important to keep it that way. Even though they, necessarily, they didn't necessarily have a verse to back up having that landmark. Here's the idea. There are certain types of music. There are certain types of dress. There are certain types of things. You can try to split hairs in the Bible over whether or not it's there or not. But I'm telling you what, if your daddy and your granddaddy and your great-granddaddy who loved God and served God if they did, they said, hey, this is a good idea. We're going to keep it this way. Hey, you can't find Sunday night and Wednesday night or Thursday night church services in the Bible. It's a good idea to keep doing it. So the idea is, even if it's something you can't even find in the Bible, but some people who love God and serve God said, okay, I think this is a good idea for us to do this. Why would you kick against that? Why would you want to find a way around that? doesn't matter if the rest of our millennial generation is trying to find new ways to be modern, yet we're still Christian. No, just stick with the old landmarks, all right? But look, look what happens here. Look what happens to somebody who gets corrected, but they receive that correction. Look at the benefit. The Bible says, verse number 12, Apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. He's going to tell you he's going to die, but he won't. You might tell your parents you're going to die, but you won't. It'll be okay. But look what it says, verse 14. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, mine heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reign shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. You know what's going to happen? If your parents and your youth pastor and your pastor tries to help you and tries to correct you, and they see that you are receiving that correction... You know what the Bible says? There is no greater joy that I find than to see that my children are walking in truth. It will thrill your parents' hearts. It will thrill your youth pastor's heart and your pastor's heart if you will receive correction and allow them to help you go in the right direction and stop kicking against it. Okay? Now look at Psalm chapter 39. Actually, come to Jeremiah 2. We'll skip that one. Jeremiah chapter 2. God chose out a people for His name, the nation of Israel. And He gave them the commandments and He gave them the law and He wanted them to be separate from the rest of the world. He didn't want them to worship all the false gods and all the false idols. He didn't want them to bow down to sticks and stones. He wanted them to worship the true and living God. But you know what they did? When they got in that land, they got pulled aside by all those other false gods. They wanted to fit in with the rest of the world. God already told them what would happen if they did that. And they did not receive that instruction. Look what happens in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse number... Oh man, we could read a lot, but we're not going to. Verse number 19. So what happens if somebody corrects you and you refuse it and you butt against it and you despise it and you go your own way and you go into wickedness? Look what's going to happen either way. Either you're going to get corrected by somebody who loves you and you're going to receive it and be helped by it. Or look what can happen. Verse 19. 
Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. Thy backslidings shall reprove thee. One day, once you get far down that road of rebelling and rejecting against any kind of correction, you're going to find out that all those sins you were doing that they told you not to do, there's suddenly there's going to be some consequences that start being reaped from those. And now all of a sudden you are going to come to the sudden realization that I am wrong, but it's going to be too late. You can't send off those repercussions for what you've done. How many men, even in our church, who got saved at, a, at an older age or maybe got right with God at an older age, and you ask them, they'll tell you, I wish I had listened. I wish I had not ruined my life because now I have to live with all of that baggage and I cannot forget it as much as I want to. You know why they're living right now? Not because they received instruction when they were young. They refused it. But because now when they realize those giving me the instructions were right. And I am facing exactly what they told me I would face. And I don't want any more of it. I'm going to do right. Young people, we don't want you to have to be corrected by your own wickedness. We want you to let God correct you now before you have to reap that. Okay? Now look at, oh man, look at this. When we keep reading in this verse, Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. For of old time I, I have broken the yoke and burst thy bands, and thou saidst, I will not transgress. So God freed them from bondage, and he said, okay, I'm not going to sin anymore. And then look what happened. When upon Every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest, playing the harlot. You know what? You know what God said? Look, you might begin to think as a young person, seeing everyone else here do right and serve God, that it's just a, a set of rituals that we have to do and keep. But it's not. God, you know, you know how you know how God feels? When he tells you what to do and you go against it, and when he tries to correct you and you go against it, he feels the same way as a man who is married to a woman and she goes out and starts living with another man. I know some of you may not be able to understand how bad that would hurt, but there's probably not any more emotional pain than that. And that's how God feels when he's trying to help you and he's trying to correct you. And you keep butting up against it saying, why do I have to do that? It hurts God so deeply. I don't want to do that to God, do you? Look what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 5. I can't believe how fast time flies when you're in the Bible. But it does. Jeremiah 5. The Bible says here in... Oh man, let's start in. Uh, let's skip down a few verses. Okay, verse number five. Um, oh no, let's go back to verse number three. Okay, O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock 
They have refused to return. Therefore, I said, surely these are poor. These are, they are foolish for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. I will get me into the great men. I will speak unto them for they have known the way of the Lord, the judgment of their God. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. You know what? God broke them. We read it in chapter two. God broke them out of the bondage of slavery and bondage and let them go free. But God had his own yoke for them that was easy and the burden was light. And you know what they did? God, don't tell me what to do. God, I don't want you to control my life. And look what happened. Wherefore, verse six, a lion out of the forest shall slay them. You know who that lion is? Seeking whom he may devour? It's the devil. And a wolf of the evenings shall spoil them. You know what the Bible says in another, another spot? It says the same thing. A wolf of the evening is going to come, but he's not going to eat them as soon as he finds them. He's going to sit there and he's going to wait all night till they feel like I am perfectly safe in the darkness where I'm at. And then as soon as that sun comes up, that wolf attacks and kills it. I'm telling you what, what the Lord wants to do is correct you so you don't have to face that. And if you refuse correction, the Bible says, it's what you got. You know what? Uh, we, don't, we don't even have time to read it. You memorize a lot of Hebrews chapter 11. I hope you have. Hebrews chapter number 12. You know what the Bible talks about? Correction. The Bible says this book is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And you know what the Bible says in James? The Bible says, and this applies to salvation, but it also applies to daily living. The Bible says you and I are supposed to receive with, what's the, what's the key? What's the answer? With meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul or to save your life. You know what meekness is? It's the ability, conscious ability or decision to have something said against you and not, not let it take you down. You know what happens? Somebody preaches from this book and they tell you something you don't want to hear and you kick against it. You know why? You don't allow the spirit of meekness to help you obey God's word. And you know what that Bible says? The example is in Hebrews chapter 12 for correction. You know what Jesus did? Jesus took the punishment for every sin that you committed and I committed that deserved correction and punishment. And he didn't even do it. And yet he still endured. And you know what you and I need to do? Follow that example. When somebody corrects you, they're not trying to tear you down. They want to help you do right. Let's follow Jesus's example. Take it, learn from it, and keep going. And you know what the Bible says in Hebrews 12? Pick up this lip, pick up the shoulders, and keep going. It's as simple as that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for giving us some help and some instruction. Lord, I pray for these young people. I'm so thankful for them. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to have a spirit of meekness. Help us to be able to receive correction and not be, not be uh, 
torn down by it, but help us to learn from it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.